Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning. This is Jennifer Conzin with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And we have been covering some topics based on our new book called Redeemed Sexuality. It is a book for everyone who's not married, singles, campus, teens, and it's for parents as well. So we're going to be covering some topics out of that on how does someone who is not married live out their sexuality? And it's funny because on the back cover of the book, the first line is, you are a sexual person. So here it is, a book actually written for singles, teens, campus. And that's not usually what you would think as the first line, but we just wanted to emphasize people who are single and teens People who are students are sexual. It isn't based on whether they're married or not. Now, they may not be acting on their sexuality if they're following Jesus, but they are still a sexual person. So what does one do with your sexuality if you're not acting on your sexuality as far as engaging with another person in in a sexual relationship? Well, One of the things that's important is figuring out, okay, what do we do with this body that God created that has sexual parts, and yet sexuality is only to occur when and if I get married. And so today's broadcast is on the scripture out of Corinthians, the body is not made for sexual immorality. That's straight out of Corinthians. Paul wrote that. Right next to it, he also wrote, the body is for the Lord. So when someone is not married, how do they live out their sexuality in the body that the Lord made? And then what are some of the effects of pursuing sexuality outside of marriage. And so literally today, we're going to spend some time talking about the body and how it's affected by sexuality when sex occurs outside of the marital relationship. The body is not made for sexual morality. Okay, well, let's look at some other scriptures. So then in Galatians chapter 2, Paul again says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We do live in our bodies. How do we live that out? How do we live out our life When we're not married and yet we're sexual beings, how do we live out our life in our bodies in a way that is living for God, that's living for Jesus, where Christ lives through our bodies? You know, we do know, and this was talked about in a previous broadcast, we do have a whole broadcast on body image and sexuality, and you can go there and explore some more on the body and sexuality. But just a reminder that... God clearly says in Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
So how does God want us to live out that wonder of our bodies while single, while in school, while a teenager? I'm just going to go over several scriptures on the body to just really set a foundation for what the scriptures teach about living out our lives in our bodies. I would recommend two different books. Earthen Vessels is a great text on the overall living out of the body. And then Laura Winner's book on sexuality for singles. Both of those do a great job of saying that the first place to learn how to remain pure and to wait to have sex until marriage, to only have sex within the marital sexual relationship, the way to do that is first of all, have a deep understanding of our bodies as they are before God and as God intends us to use them. So let's look at a couple more of those scriptures. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10, it says, we carry around in our body the death of Christ so that the life of Christ may be revealed in our body. Then in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Our bodies are this amazing creation. Honestly, the first place to start on how to figure out what to do with our bodies, even when we're not engaging sexually, is to really grasp that we are an amazing creation. Our bodies are amazing and we're created to do good works. These bodies are created so that the life of Christ might be revealed in our body. And when our sexuality, honestly, this is true if someone is single or married, when our sexuality is placed within that context, within the context of I want the way I live in my body to reveal Christ. Boy, it just makes everything sexual come into clearer focus. I want to live out my life within the body that he created that is fearfully and wonderfully made in a way that reveals him. You know, that other side of that coin, so the body is not made for sexual morality, is the the body is for the Lord. That is such an incredibly powerful statement. The author of Earthen Vessels talks about how God lives in our limbs. You know, we have arms and legs and God lives in those parts of our bodies. Well, in our entire body, that the body is for the Lord. We can do a lot of amazing things with our body. I'm going to review this again as as we finish today, but we need to remember again how our embodied life is, how we live out our life in our body will be reflected in how we live out our sexuality. So if we're living out our embodied life by serving the poor, by cleaning someone's toilet and cooking someone a meal, by fixing their car, by using our body to serve and to give, by going on a hike, by walking along the ocean, by walking around a neighborhood and praying for that neighborhood, by using our body to give, to worship, to serve, we can bring glory to God with our body and use our body for the Lord. And then if we end up becoming married, and if those of you listening are married, then you can live out that embodied existence in your marital sexual relationship, enjoying a very holy and passionate sexual life. 
but it does first start with how we're living out our life physically in our body. So that's the foundation. Are we using our body in other ways as God intends? And then secondly, if it's not made for sexual immorality, if the body is not made, meant, intended for sexual immorality, what does that mean exactly? So, you know, in 1 Corinthians 6, in that same passage, he says, whoever sins sexually sins against his own body. God makes it super clear. Paul does a great job of explaining that all sins are the same in God's eyes, but certain sins have a greater impact. And God lets us know that sexual sin has a pretty big impact on our bodies. There's some kind of almost extra impact on the body when we engage in sexual sin. And therefore, in the same passage in 1 Corinthians, he says, flee from sexual immorality. In fact, it has such an impact on you. Run away. So this kind of brings up the picture of Joseph when he's with Pharaoh's wife and she's like, come sleep with me. And he literally runs away and she's left with his clothing in her hands. Such a great picture of fleeing from sexual morality. Well, what does this word mean? So the word flee here in the Greek, it literally means to shun. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but it looks like fugo in the Greek. And that means to shun, to escape. So God calls us to shun, to run from, to escape, get as far away from possible from sexual morality because he made our bodies and he actually knows that it's not good for us. It will actually harm us. So the word here in 1 Corinthians 6 for flee is fugo. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but in the Greek, that word flee actually means shun and escape, run as far away, shun it, get as far away from it as possible. Again, this is a perfect example of Joseph running from the Pharaoh's wife. So God tells us, I made your bodies. I know what's best for your bodies and sexual morality isn't good for your bodies. So run, get as far away as possible. Well, why? What are some of the physical effects of sexual morality. I want to review some of those with you because it is important that we take a clear stance on why we would not pursue sexual morality and why would God say it has an impact on the body. Well, let me review some of the different ways that sexual immorality or sexual things happen to us, the way that that affects the body. So one of the ways that isn't somebody's choice to sin, but is when they're sinned against, is when someone is sexually assaulted or sexually abused or sexually molested. There are obviously different physical impacts when someone's body is violated in that way. I am going to review some of those impacts. If this is your background, you do want to be aware that this can be a part of the program that can be very challenging to listen to. So consider that as you're listening, whether this is best for you to continue listening. I do want to review what are some of the physical impacts when the body has been violated sexually? Well, there are physical effects such as the tearing of tissues, blood flow, bruising. Sometimes it can actually create pelvic floor trauma. So even when we are sinned against, when someone commits some kind of sexual immorality against us, 
it can affect our bodies. It can lead to, yes, the more permanent situation of pregnancy or STDs. And those are some of the literal physical effects of sexual abuse. However, there are some other effects of sexual abuse that sometimes aren't paid attention to as far as how it impacts the physical body because sexual abuse, someone with that kind of a background will have a higher level of stress. They can end up with chronic fatigue. They sometimes experience a shortness of breath and a higher muscle tension. When the memory comes to their mind, they share that they have involuntary shaking that occurs. Sometimes it causes problems with eating and sleeping. So there are physiological effects that actually can last over a very long time. It also create a constant vigilance for some where they're where they become very vigilant against someone approaching them or someone touching them. It can cause like a high cortisol, it can cause a high adrenaline level. So both cortisol and adrenaline can be found to be higher medically in someone's body when they have experienced a sexual assault. And so it is not uncommon for people to be in a high state of anxiety long after they've been assaulted. Well, there are also physiological effects to sexuality due to sexual abuse, and those can be problems with pain during sex. And they, I actually did a research study with individuals and measured how many different times they experienced some kind of negative interaction when they were younger around sexuality. And the men in the study who had been physically molested in some way all of those men actually had a higher rate of erectile dysfunction. Well, it's a challenging statistic to look at that there can be some physical effects of sexual abuse. And one of those can be actual sexual functioning, including erectile functioning, including physical pain to the pelvic floor, including orgasm, problems with orgasm, and problems with arousal. So there are physical effects to sexual abuse. Well, what if someone engages in premarital or extramarital sex? So this is different than when someone sins against you and does some kind of sexual violation against you. What if someone does engage primarily extramaritally in sex? What are some of the impacts of that on the body? And that's a really good question because actually if you look on the internet, they'll tell you that premarital and extramarital sex, but especially premarital, all kinds of websites will tell you that it has health benefits and you should be engaging in sex. And the health benefits are, and they'll list them, it boosts your, Im your immunities, it relieves stress, it helps with sleep, it helps you be heart healthy. So there are websites that tell you to masturbate or to be engage sexually that it's good for your health. And so if you're a, a follower of Jesus and you're like, well, there are benefits to me involving myself in sexuality, then doesn't God want my body to be healthy? The problem with that is that it's research on the benefits of sex. And they use that to say that if you don't have sex, you won't have those benefits. That is a really poor use of the research. You actually can't do that in research. You can't take a research finding and flip it around and say, therefore, the opposite is true. That's a poor use of research. Any of you out there who do any research, that's poor methodology. So you can't take this positive claim, which is sex does all of these positive 
positive things for you and say that if you don't have sex, it means you're going to have a lower immune system. You're going to have a higher stress level. You're going to have problems with sleep and your heart won't be healthy. So and yet that's that's literally what these different sites will claim. So it's just important to realize that some of the stuff you read out there and some of the stuff that's said out there is not physiologically nor research-based correct. So un, the, there are some negatives, though, to engaging in premarital sex. It is one of the most common uh, ways for uh, someone to become pregnant without being in a marital relationship. And yes, different STDs are common, such as herpes or chlamydia or HIV. So yes, the, there is a higher rate because the risk is higher, literally physically, with multiple partners, there's a higher rate uh, in premarital sex of obtaining some kind of sexually transmitted disease. Now, yes, there are other negatives when people engage in premarital sex, and that can include that it can change somebody's expectations of what sex is supposed to be like in a marital relationship. It can cause people to be dissatisfied with the sex in their in their marital relationship if they feel like they had a better partner before they were married. And yes, they have found in the research that there are higher levels of depression probably due to the breakups that happen in relationships when people engage in premarital sex. So now what about extramarital sex? So that would be having sex while married with someone else other than your spouse. And this is just interesting. Um, There was a, a research study done in 2012 that found that if someone wasn't faithful and had sex with someone, they had a higher rate of cardiovascular events, so a higher rate of, for instance, heart attacks. So they found that being unfaithful was a risk factor for the heart. Huh. So maybe God knows what he's talking about when he says that sexual morality is not good for the body. The body's not made for sexual morality. Okay. I'm going to go over some other effects, but before I do that, I just want to let you know what you're listening to. This is a broadcast that happens weekly, but you can actually go and listen to previous broadcasts. You go to my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, and you'll find previous broadcasts recorded there. You can also find all kinds of other uh, resources there. There's a blog there. There you can find uh, the two books that uh, we've written: "The Art of Intimate Marriage" and "Redeemed Sexuality." You can find links to purchase both of those. You can find links to buying our cards to help couples communicate around sexuality. All of those are also on Amazon. You can also th- just to, to remind you, this is a listener-supported ministry. And if you would like to support this, if you're finding benefit from this, if you feel like others would be um, would benefit from listening, please go on, uh, give us a boost by putting a contribution there. There's a link on the website. So all kinds of different ways you can get some more help. You can also get some help by sending me an email at jenniferconson at yahoo.com, my name at yahoo.com. So send me questions. We love to be helpful. Okay, so let's get back to our program We're talking about some of the physiological effects of sex on the body. And it's important. What does that mean? Like, does is that so sexual morality, any time that you engage in it affects the body? What exactly does that mean? Well, it's interesting. Who does that mean? So who is that having sex with? Well, clearly, you can listen to this on another broadcast called Save Yourself on 
God's intention to have sex just between a husband and wife when they're married. Well, God goes into really vivid detail in Luke 18 about all the people you shouldn't be having sex with. And he lists all these family members in detail that, you know, don't have sex with your father's wife. Don't have sex with your daughter's daughter. Don't have sex with your uh, mother's sister. Don't have sex with your brother's wife. So it goes into detail on the stepmoms and the granddaughters and the aunts and the sisters and sisters-in-law. All these other relationships don't have sex with them. That when you, when your body interacts sexually with their body, it is not in God's plan. And then he goes on to explain even a little bit more detail about also not having sex with animals and not having men having sex with men. So he clarifies completely in very uh, explicit detail who were what bodies were not supposed to have sex with. Why? Because the only body we're supposed to have it with is someone that we're married to. And that when we have sex with someone other than that person we're married to, the scriptures actually teach that it creates a one flesh bond. So in Genesis 2.24 it makes that very clear that they would become one flesh. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16, Paul says, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh, which is quoting out of Genesis. So Paul here is saying, if you sleep with somebody else, some other body other than your spouse, that you are creating that one flesh union that was only meant to happen with your spouse. It does. And people will say, well, no, you know, I did have sex with them, but we didn't have anything. We weren't close. It was not a big deal. It was no real thing. But the scriptures actually say it differently. They actually say there is something happening called a one flesh bond and it's it's kind of funny there was a in the movie vanilla sky there tom cruise is uh, stalked by this young woman <laughs> and out of this movie comes this very interesting quote that i want to mention here she says to him don't you know that when you sleep with someone your body makes a promise whether you do or not okay so out of this very bizarre scene in this movie is a, a really quite a big truth that we will tend to say, no, that, you know, that's not really the case. You know, I only have that bond now with my spouse. But, but scripturally, that's, that's actually not what, the, what, what God teaches. There is some kind of something that happens between those two bodies, whether you love that person or whether you paid for sex. He says that it occurs between the prostitute and between the husband and wife and that God didn't intend it to be that way. He only intended for that bond to occur between the husband and wife. So it's just important for us that when we're making choices about how to live out our sexuality, that we get that picture. There are other ways that sexuality when it doesn't occur in the marital relationship, affects our bodies. So that can be along the lines of masturbation and pornography. They actually found, I'm going to just share with you some of the other research that's been found, that when religious individuals are involved in pornography, they do have a higher rate of extramarital affairs. In other words, when they use their body to stimulate themselves 
by looking at pictures or by stimulating themselves with masturbation while looking at those pictures, they have a higher rate of using their physical body to go have sex with another body that is not their spouse. So it affects the body. Even masturbation and pornography affects the body in the other ways that will use the body to have sex. The, they even have found that just that initial use of porn, that single use of porn, creates that desire for more. So something happens in the brain and in the body that once somebody views it, they want it some more. Kind of similar to how we view drugs and alcohol. So actually pornography, looking at pornography is considered in some ways like a gateway drug, just in the similar way that maybe uh, a marijuana is for other harder drugs. So in other words, viewing pornographic material can lead to all kinds of other acting out sex with in physical ways that God did not intend. And that with the high rate of viewing pornography, it's much, much, much higher now than it has ever been due to the Internet. There has been not a surprising sharp rise rise in problems sexually with erectile dysfunction, with delayed ejaculation, with decreased sexual satisfaction that I mentioned earlier, with a lower desire, a diminished libido, and that these have been found to be connected with compulsive masturbation and, and cyber sex pornography. So there are physical effects of using, um, of engaging in masturbation and pornography. Well, okay, so how does someone change that. It's important to realize that we do have to figure out how to have an intrinsic and internal motivation instead of an extrinsic motivation. They actually did find that people that had extrinsic motivation, which means that they just didn't want to get somebody pregnant or they didn't want to get a disease when their reason for not engaging in sexual immorality was because of those kinds of uh, consequences. They, there was a higher rate of extramarital sex. <laughs> so our reason for not engaging has to be much deeper. We have to really embrace the scriptures. Again, what do they say? First Corinthians 6, you're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We need to remember. We need to be motivated by the grace of God, the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice, so that then we use our bodies to honor him. Paul also says in that same scripture in, in verse 18, don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? You're not your own. So we want to think I have authority over my own body. But actually, the scriptures say that if we follow God, if we follow Jesus, we don't have authority over our own bodies. Instead, we say, you made my body, God. You made it. So you tell me how to live. We are his dwelling place. He knows what's best for our body. We are his. So we need to use our body to bring him honor. This is Dr. Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Conson to address here on air, email her at jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. Conzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N, jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you. And if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. 
to give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Condon's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.